Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 53. I'm your host, Chris Morales. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out. Welcome in. Sit down, relax, grab yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, pour yourself a nice glass of wine, depending on what time it is. Whatever you need, you can enjoy the next well, about a half hour together here. Talk hockey. Right, we're going to be talking about fantasy hockey specific today. Season's in full swing, getting it going. So uh, we might as well talk about uh, a little bit of fantasy hockey, uh, specifically about trades. It's that time of year, right? It's time to be looking at making some changes to your lineup and to your roster. If you haven't already started exercising some trades or looking at adding to your team. I mean, you're you're already late, so we're going to help you make some good trades. We're going to follow some rules here, rules to trading. We're going to talk about a trade that I made, two of them actually, um, how it went down and what you need to be doing. Before we get into that here, we're just going to touch on um, something quick here because we can't, obviously we can't avoid it. We should be avoiding it, but we can't because, you know, life is like that. Uh, so the... Boston Bruins, right, they're off to an amazing start this season, but they decided, you know, when things are going too well, how can we shoot ourselves in the foot, right? How can we limit ourselves by being ourselves? So they decided uh, that they were going to go out and sign uh, Mitchell Miller. If you have no idea who Mitchell Miller is, congratulations. I wish I didn't either. Uh, But for many of you, you know exactly who he is. Uh, he's the kid who was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes in the fourth round, 2022, sorry, 2020, uh, fourth round, Arizona picked him. And then it was discovered that the kid's a piece of shit. Uh, so Arizona renounced their draft pick, kind of said, Hey, okay, we don't want him. Um, uh, he became a free agent after that. If you don't know the story of Mitchell Miller, I don't know what rock you've been living under, uh, but the kid spent a majority of his adolescence, basically uh, bullying and terrorizing a black disabled kid. He was actually convicted in juvenile court. And the Boston Bruins thought this is the character quality person who we would like to add to our organization in any way, right? So look, I have no problem saying that this kid is bottom of the barrel in terms of human. I, I don't care for him very much. Uh, I read the comment section on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. Uh, the human species is just absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, and a lot of people are calling this cancel culture because the kid was 14 when he did all this. And the number one excuse that they use is, well, we've all made mistakes, Right. When we were 14, we all did things that we're not proud of. And that is that is true, myself included. Uh, here's what I've never done, though. I have never terrorized a disabled black kid to the point that I got convicted in juvenile court and have yet to apologize for it. I haven't done that, right? And this this theory that he should be given a second chance is it's fair, if he's done anything to earn it, and he clearly hasn't, right? Like he's he's yet to apologize, by the way, to the kid of the family. He's yet to do that. He's only issued a court-ordered 
letter that apologized, but he hasn't publicly apologized to this kid. Right? So he's done nothing to earn it. And, and the Boston Bruins, Cam Neely and the rest of them said, well, we did our vetting process and this and everything, and they met with him, and they said they did everything they need to do. But I feel like they didn't. A, they didn't reach out to the family of the kid. Right? They didn't do that. So clearly your vetting process failed off the rip. Two, right? they also didn't reach out apparently to the NHL. Uh, because Gary Batman was very adamant about it, which is different, I guess, because I didn't expect Gary to actually do his job. But, right, like when they had broke this signing, right, Gary said that A, the NHL didn't reach out to him. B, that he cannot, right, he, Miller can't play in the NHL, right? Like he, he can't. He hasn't been reinstated by the league, right? He may never play in the NHL, right? Either he doesn't get reinstated or he just doesn't have the skill set to get there. Either one. But he can't play in the NHL. And then the if he was going to go play the American Hockey League, and then that would be up to the AHL to take their decision. But they would probably follow and say, hey, look, no. Like, we're not going down this route here. So he can't play in the NHL, can't play in the AHL. The Boston Bruins players, first of all, shout out to Brad Marchand, Nick Foligno, and Patrice Bergeron, they were very open about how they felt about this signing because they were asked, right? Felino and, and Marshawn kind of said, you know, they talked a lot about culture, right? The culture in the room and the culture of this, and which is, you know, every team has a culture. You try to build a winning one and a positive one. But for me, it was Patrice Bergeron's statement and conversation that really got my attention. For one, he had mentioned that they did reach out to him and asked him what he thought. And rather than like giving the PR statement of like, you know, our job is to focus on the game on the ice. We let management take care of whatever they need to. You know, we're just here to play hockey, win games, blah, 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 blah. You know, Bergeron said, A, he gave his opinion. And his opinion was that he didn't like it. He didn't support it. And he says this publicly, right? Like you could have said it to your GM and then just, like I said, not say anything. But he flat out came out and said, you know, no, and I don't like it. And if he hasn't changed, we would not welcome him here. And despite all that, by the way, despite all of that, Boston Bruins, right? Don Sweeney was like, no, nah, go ahead and sign him. That's okay. <laughs> like you asked your captain. Captain's like, no, nah, man, he's not that good. I don't want him here. Like, let's not make this a distraction. And Sweeney went, cool, thanks for your opinion. We're still going to do it anyways. Like, there was no reason for Boston to side him. None. Like, they don't need him. They don't need the distraction. They were off to a, a blazing hot start to the year. They didn't need this garbage. They didn't need to burn a contract on a kid that was probably never going to play in the NHL. And just everything surrounded by it, right? Now, the Bruins two days later ended up saying, releasing him. Right. They said, well, we're just going to terminate that contract immediately based on new information. Like, I don't know what new information they found in 48 hours that they didn't have before. Right. Like, basically, they caved to public pressure, which is fine, but they should have never put themselves in this situation. So shame on the Bruins for going down this road. Um, here's the thing, though. As of today, today is Wednesday. Uh, right. Miller is still part of the Boston Bruins organization's T contract hasn't been terminated. If you go to cat friendly as you should, he's still there as part of the team. And 
you know, the main reason, I guess, would be is if they do just terminate his contract, the NHLPA will get involved and say, hey, man, like, you can't do that. And the NHLPA's job is to protect players, whether, you know, even pieces of shit. They, they still have to protect those people. So, and again, I don't feel bad for Mitchell Miller, not one bit. I think he's a garbage human being, shouldn't play in the NHL. He's made no effort to fix issues, to better educate himself. So I don't care for this kid. And here's the thing for me, like he, so it's, it's a three-year contract, right? It's a three-year entry-level contract. Uh, so the Bruins may just say, Hey, look, we're just going to like, like go away. Right. And so he gets his signing bonus, right? This year, cause he signed a contract. So he gets a $95,000 signing bonus. So on top of it, he got rewarded with money, uh, for being a garbage human being. And look, the Bruins, if they try to terminate it, you get into a fight with the NHLPA. They may just say, hey, man, look, go home. This isn't going to work. Collect your signing bonus. And then they may just buy him out, right, before the, the right when you can go through the buyout period. And, you know, they'll get a small cap penalty, but, you know, it, it's manageable for the Bruins. I, I think they'd be okay with this. But all this to say that I don't know why NHL teams go down this route of players especially young kids who have like like i said you can make a mistake right there's nothing wrong well i mean there is but like you can make a mistake and then make an effort to better yourself and change the way things happen right like there's no shortage of that and like people are defending him and like i just want to know like imagine if that was you know your kid being bullied by this garbage individual like you wouldn't obviously you would it, it would be different right but like to me i'm like how are you defending this kid who has made no effort to get better and you're saying well let him you know give him a second he hasn't earned it he hasn't earned it people say well you can't you're not giving him a second chance the kids had all this time he's 20 now since he was 14 to apologize he hasn't done so so like what has he been doing you know nothing nothing he's a terrible human being and he's made no effort to apologize. So I don't know why the Bruins went down this route. I, I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. And shame on them. And they get all this, you know, criticism publicly, as they should. And I get when Cam Neely came out and said, you know, hey, we're sorry and this and that. And we didn't do. No, because you thought you could swing this. And you couldn't. And all this does is bring unnecessary attention to your team, that's, like I said, they're off to a red-hot start. Like, at this point, I think they had lost only, like, one game or something. Like, you're off to a red-hot red hot start. Your team is amazing. David Posternak is filling the net. Linus Olmark is stopping everything. And you're like, hey, how can I make this worse? You know, my team is doing too well. How can I really make sure that they have to deal with unnecessary off-ice garbage? Oh, I know. We'll sign a racist. That's what we'll do. So, shame on the Bruins. Uh, they should have, I, I mean, look, the Bruins should have done a lot of things. They didn't. Uh, shame on them. So, learn, be better. And, uh, yeah, just, I don't know why. I don't know why they do this. I don't know why teams try to shoot themselves in the foot. But here we are. Okay, so that's enough about him. If I can get that out of the way, let's talk fantasy hockey here. So, right, I play a lot of fantasy hockey, season long, DFS. 
Um, and we're just going to talk about trades in general because some of you send out terrible trades. And look, I trading is an art, okay? It's an art. And some of you are not artists. You're, you're not good at it. So we're going to try to help you out today so we can get good conversations and good trades. So trading in fantasy sports in general, and, and this can work for other leagues, right? Baseball, football, whatever else you enjoy. Um, we can kind of NBA. Sorry, I almost forgot basketball. It can work in all these leagues. But the number one thing we have to remember, obviously, is you got to be a good communicator. Okay, so we're going to get some free therapy here as well. Because if you're a good communicator in life, you're probably good at making trades as well. If you're not a good communicator, you're probably going to struggle at making fantasy hockey trades. So we're going to kill two birds with one stone here. We're going to make you a better communicator in life. And that's going to translate over to fantasy sports. You're welcome. So here's what went down about a week ago. I would say it's about a week ago. So here's how we go. I'm going to start from you know, A to Z, and then we'll I'll stop on the, at certain points and tell you what you need to remember. So get yourself a pen and paper, write this down, stick it to your forehead. I don't care where you put it. We're going to go through the process of how we make a trade. Number one, right? When we are making trades, first off, you should have a kind of a group chat for your league, okay? And look, I hate group chats. I'm a part of a ton of them. I hate, I, I hate them. I mute them. 97% of what's in a group chat is garbage. It doesn't matter. Some of them are active, right? And it's just a place where we can all, you know, dump on each other and tell us how bad everybody's team is. But, I mean, every group chat I got is on mute. I don't care for them. I check in once in a while. If I get directly tagged in it, 99% of the time it's something I don't need to see and I wish I never did. But you should have a place where... All the owners are in one spot. So you can at least reach out to somebody or you can at least have a conversation when you want to. If you're not a fan of group chats, I don't know, get an Excel spreadsheet with everybody's phone number. You can text them. You can call them depending on how close you are. If these are you playing with, you know, most of these leagues that I play in, you know, good buddies, people around, you know, local to me. So it's it's fine. You know, we know each other. We can reach out and whatnot. But I, I know for some people they play in just public leagues and again, most of the time, you'll have their like email and stuff in these public leads. You can reach out to them directly. But again, general idea here, you want to have a group chat, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook, it can even be on Instagram, Reddit, Google Hangouts, wherever you want to put it, just put something or at least contact information in an Excel spreadsheet somewhere where you can reach out to owners. It's important to be able to communicate with them directly. Don't send off random traits. Okay, to start a conversation. That's the worst way to do it, right? Sending, first of all, most of those trades that you send, they're low-hanging fruit and they're probably not very fair. So when I get those trades that a person hasn't reached out to me, it's very one-sided and I look at, I don't even reject it. I, I do this thing where I just leave it there and then it goes away by itself because I want the other owner to like wonder like, oh, is he actually thinking about it? Is he, no, I'm not. I just want it to go away by itself. Like, I want you to look at it and then be like, huh, yeah, I probably wouldn't take that trade either. And then it it just magically disappears. I love that. It's it's magic. That's how I let 90% of trades that I hate uh, go. I just, I just wait for the other owner to go back and rescind his offer. And I'm like, perfect. I don't have to deal with this. Next. So have a group chat somewhere where you can trade. So. This is how this is how we go. We can go. I am in this league. I am a Cole Caulfield owner. He's off to a 
red hot start. I'm feeling good about myself. Now, already in this league, there was some gauged interest for him, right? There were people, you know, kind of a couple of owners who reached out, said, hey, man, you know, I enjoy this guy. You know, I like this, da-da-da, da-da-da. But nothing really got that far, you know, that there was. And again, I, you know, you value players differently, right? Which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. At this point, like Cole was like one goal behind like McDavid for the league lead or something. Like he's he's still really good. I think he's like tapered off a little bit here, but still, you know, high quality player, a guy who scored a bunch of goals. You know, he looks really good under Marty St. Louis. I got him in like the fifth or sixth round. So he's got duo uh, position eligibility. So in this league, we have left and right winger position designation. So he can play both. All in all, good thing. On my team, I have too many centermen. Okay. That's just how the ball felt. I had a whole bunch of centermen. I was looking to, this is how the conversation came about. I was looking to move the centermen, right? I, I needed to move one. Or two, probably, because I had too many. But the interest came for Cole Caulfield. Now, number two, when an owner reaches out to you and says, hey, is this player available? This is the only answer I want you to ever respond. Write it down. I'm going to give you a moment. Grab a pen. Post it somewhere where you can see it. If you have to get a tattoo on your forehead, I don't care. Do it. When an owner says, hey, I'm interested in this player. Is he available? Your answer is absolutely. What did you have in mind? Did you get that? Write that down. Absolutely. What did you have in mind? Two things here. Every player on your fantasy team is available. I do not want to hear why he is not. I don't care about your love affair. I don't care if that player on your team is matches your team name. I don't care. Every player on your fantasy hockey team is available. Every single one. There is no reason for them not to be. If somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, is Connor McDavid available? Absolutely. What did you have in mind? Simple. I get so many people who say, no, I won't even listen to an offer. And you're like, man, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. No, I can't trade this guy. I drafted him with my... First round pick. I'm not trading him. Brother, you don't even know what I'm going to say. First of all, you don't know what I'm going to say yet. You don't know what the deal is. You have no idea. Okay? Here's how I quantify it to you. Okay? I'm going to put this in a different light. You tell me how this sounds. Okay? You have a house. Okay? You don't have a for sale high. A guy comes up, knocks on your door, says, hey, man, I'd like to buy your house. You say, oh, man, my house is not for sale. Okay. Again, someone comes up and says, hey, man, I want to buy your house. Is it for sale? Absolutely. What do you have in mind? Now, if the guy offers you $300,000 for your house, you might say, nah, man, I'm not going to sell it. Okay. But if you never listen to the offer, maybe this guy is, I don't know, he's drunk. And he says, hey, man, I'll give you $30 million for your home. Are you going to sell your home? I mean, 98% of you would say, yeah, yeah, I'll sell my home. Okay. If you give me that kind of money, if you overbid or you just, I, I know it's like it's hypothetical sometimes, a lot of times. But still, at least entertain the offer. At least. If someone says, hey, man, is Conor McDavid available? Sure. What do you have in mind? And then they offer you something that's nowhere close. You say, nah, man, I'm, I, I wouldn't do it for that. And then they may throw it back. Well, what would you do? And then you go on his team and you select all his best players. And you say, I'd do it for that. 
And he might be, no, nah, man, I won't do that. All right. Well, at least we had a conversation. We spent five minutes. You know where I stand, right? I know where you stand. We're just not close right now. That's it. Boom. Anytime somebody asks you, is a player available? This is good for every league. Doesn't matter what it is, what sport. Absolutely. What did you have in mind? When you throw back the what did you have in mind, it's about transferring the pressure back on the other person. Because now you have, you tell him, establish a price, right? Without you telling him what you're willing to accept. Now he's got to go out there. And obviously he might, you know, lowball you a little bit. But then that means that he's not actually interested here. He's, he's, he's trying to steal a player. He doesn't respect the cost of it. He's not... He's not as serious as you think he is. So that way you can just cut that right off the bat and move on to something else, but at least entertain the idea. So back to my story here. There we go. Boom. Is Cole Caulfield available? Yeah. And again, I got a lot of different offers. Nothing was close, right? It's just, I wasn't getting the price. And again, I want to move a centerman, but Cole Caulfield is the player who is attracting the most attention on my team. So. Okay, you know, it's about supply and demand. I First of all, the supply is one of Cole Caulfield, and the demand was from at least two owners. So I knew that in this league, right, it's a 10-team league, you know, 10-team league, you can usually find a couple of guys on the waiver wire who you can fill out. So if the interest for my player is high, I know that probably around the rest of the league it is too. So uh, Cole Caulfield scores two goals here against, I think it was St. Louis. He had three points or something. Canadians were just absolutely tanking. Uh, they started poorly. They ended up winning like, they, they were losing 3-1 and they won 7-4. So it, immediately after this game ends, right, like, like I'm feeling good, right? Cole Caulfield's come out. He's played well. I know there's interest. I go straight to the group chat. And just as a joke, I'm like, hey, I'm willing to listen to offers for Cole Caulfield. That's it. This brings me to point number three. If you want something, go make it known. Good communication means telling others how you feel, right? They can't guess. I just did it for shits and giggles because I knew that he was, right, he had done well. Recency bias is important. I go straight to the group chat and I just say, hey, man, I'll entertain offers. This is a high point here, right? He scores two more goals. He's up to like, I think, five or six at this point. And the demand's already high. People's attention is on him. Boom. Let let everybody know. You got to let people know this is what group chats are for. You can let people know that you're entertaining, that you're willing to listen to offers for him. Again, because every player on your team is available. We established this five minutes ago. So as, as known, right, a couple people fire off, hey, would you take this or would you take that? And again, nothing really good. Nothing. But... Then I establish what I'm looking for. At this point, there's enough. that This is publicly, too. This is not like people just DMing me on the down low. It's just a group chat where you're just having a good conversation about things. And then I spit out what I'll take. And now I'm shooting for the stars here. But, you know, as Wayne Gretzky said, or as Michael Scott quoted, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So after I've fielded a couple of these offers that are no good, my response is, hey, I would trade Cole Caulfield for somebody like Austin Matthews. That's my direct message. Now, I know I'm shooting for the stars here, right? Well, guess what? Ten minutes later, the Austin Matthews owner in the league 
one answer, one word. He says, deal. Just publicly like that in the group chat. And I see this and I'm like, boy, like a lot of you know me, right? Personally, I keep my phone close to me at all times just because. I've never grabbed my phone so quickly. I grabbed it, opened the Yahoo app, went straight to his team, and sent him a Cole Caulfield for Austin Matthews one-for-one deal. And sure enough, he took it. I traded Cole Caulfield for Austin Matthews. The deal was one-for-one, no draft picks, no nothing. Now, some people are going to say, whoa, that's too much. Or the other, the owner, he paid too much. Like, I can't believe. Like, hey, whatever your opinion is, it doesn't matter, right? He right, Austin Matthews is off to a tough start. I, if I was the Austin Matthews owner here, right, I'm not going to publicly shame him, of course. Um, like I would have not traded my Austin Matthews for a Cole Caulfield, I wouldn't have. But at this point, he bought high on Caulfield, he sold low on Matthews. If the deal works out for everybody, everybody's a winner. Okay, this brings me to my next point. Remember when I said I had too many centermen? Guess what I did. I added another centerman to my rotation, okay? Never limit yourself based on positions. I see so many people. The excuse is why you can't make a trade. I have too many centermen. I have too many wingers. I already have two players on this team. I can't add a third one. I already have two players in another league. I don't want more of them. I already have this guy in another. Like, what are we doing here? I don't care about your other league that you already have them there. Why are you limiting yourself? If my whole team is full five, six guys from the same team, why does it matter? Who cares? Best player available. I got the best player available that I thought that I could snag. Right there. Austin Matthews. Now, to the credit of this owner, right? He did his homework. Because Austin Matthews and Cole Caulfield, as of February of 2021, or whenever uh, Marty St. Louis took over, uh, Matthews, I think, has scored one more goal than Cole Caulfield, right? So I think Matthews at that point had 32, uh, and Caulfield had like 31. So on paper, goal scoring-wise, they're the same or close. Now, again, this owner clearly saw the value in one thing. I saw the value in others. We clearly... Clearly, our opinions were very different as to how we value it, but we knew that what we wanted and how we would go. We both did our homework. Trade works out fine. Now, Austin Matthews has obviously picked up a little bit because I knew that he would. Cole Caulfield is, I think, doing the same thing. You know, so far, I think at this, like, since this trade has been made in the total of a week, I think I've won this trade to start. But again, it's a long year, long, long year. And when you are making trades, Okay, because I also get this a lot. Oh, he's this in the league. He's ranked number four. I don't care where he's ranked. I'm not paying for what he has done. I'm paying for what he's going to do. Okay? Fact. When you make a trade, I don't care what he's done for your team. That's a sell-high candidate. Right? Cole Caulfield, I knew, was a sell-high candidate on my fantasy team. You're not paying for the five or six goals he's already scored. You're paying for what he's going to do with the rest of his 70 what-off games. Because I get owners all the time, oh, he's ranked third. I don't care. He could break his leg tomorrow and finish 37th. It makes no difference. I'm paying for future. The same thing with Austin Matthews, right? 
Thankfully, this owner didn't say, well, he was my first round pick. I need first round pick value back. I don't care where you drafted him. Where you drafted your player is irrelevant to me. 10 minutes after your draft ends, where you picked him is not my problem anymore. Like if you messed up, that's a you problem right there, right? Because owners are like that all the time. Yeah, but he was my first round pick. Yeah, but he's not performing like one. So I'm not going to give you first round pick value for him because he's not doing that. Now, if I think he's going to do better or get to that point, maybe I'll sell a little bit high here. Maybe I'll give you a little bit more. But generally, I won't. It's the same thing with Cole Caulfield. Like, I picked him in the fifth round. Does that mean you're going to give me fifth round value for him? No. Why would you? I'm selling high on him. Owners are like that all the time. I can't I can't count the number of times somebody's like, yeah, but I drafted him in the second round. I don't care. I'm not giving you second round value if I don't think that's what he's worth. Why would I? It's the same thing if you got a sleeper in the 12th round. I'm not giving you 12th round if he's performing like a fourth round. I'm going to give you fourth round value if that's what you want and we agree on the deal that way. Again, where you drafted a player is not important. After the trade has happened, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you think. It's not important to me. It's not, and it shouldn't be important to you. You're just limiting yourself, right? If you don't want to sell low, you could say that. Hey, man, I'm not, I'm not going to sell low on him. I'm going to hold a little bit longer. And that's fine. I respect that decision completely. If you don't want to sell low, not a problem, right? But at this point, I had done everything that I should have done. I knew there was an interest for my player. I made it publicly known that I was willing to work towards a deal for something. I didn't limit myself based on position. And I went out and I got the best player I thought I could for him. That's how you execute a deal. Okay. Gets better here. Two days later. Oh, yeah. You, you, you thought that was it? No. Nah. Two days later, owner reaches out group chat. He does exactly what he should do. He says, hey, I'm willing to entertain offers for X, Y, and Z player. Now, these players were pretty, pretty decent players, but they were off to a slow start. Again, I'm not going to publicly shame this owner, but I probably wouldn't have sold low on these guys like 10 games into the year. You know what I mean? But again, hey. Maybe he's going down a different route. Maybe he thinks these players are not going to hit the value that he he thought he was. Maybe he's dealing with injuries. I don't know. Perfect. One of those players that he's willing to move is Roman Yossi. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Again, remember, I need to move a centerman, right? We established this. First thing I do, I go to his team. I check his centerman. If you have an abundance of something, it means somebody else has a shortage of it. It's math. You have too much of somebody, something, somebody doesn't have enough of it. The pie is 100, right? Yes, there are players on the waiver wire, but those guys are there for a reason. They're not as good as the ones that are owned, usually. So I go and I check his team. Guess what? He doesn't, you know, his center quality is not great. Not great, Bob. I go straight. Now I know what he's willing to move, and I have an idea of what his team needs. Perfect. He is an ideal candidate for me. If you had a ton of centermen, well, this doesn't work now, right? Because, well, like, I'm not going to send him something. I get so many trades, right? So many of them. The guy hasn't even gone to my team to look at what I need, right? If there's an owner with five goalies, don't send him another one. He probably doesn't need it. You're not going to get value out of it. I have an abundance of centermen, which means I'm willing 
to be loose in how much I give up. Maybe I'll overpay just a little bit. So I sent him, it was, it was Braden Point, I think. And so Braden Point and Matthew Barzell for Roman Yossi, if I remember correctly, that was my, that was my initial offer. And he comes back to me and he says, hey, I, I would take Braden Point and Thomas Shabbat for Roman Yossi. Now, granted, again, I don't want to move Shabbat, really. He plays a lot. It's not a team that should do well. But I understand one thing. A, Roman Yossi is a clear upgrade from Thomas Shabbat. He's had a tough start to the season, but I still think that Yossi can figure it out. Shabbat doesn't really block a ton of shots. He can't score at the same rate that Yossi does. So this is a clear upgrade. The player I'm giving up that's extra is Braden Point. And at this point, <laughs> no pun intended, he was all right. But he wasn't racking up a ton of points. So obviously, what did I do? Well, I traded him. Well, good news. As soon as he has left my team, uh, he has picked up points in every game that he's played, which is fine. He was the player I threw in. He's the throw-in quote-unquote, if you want to do it like that, or if you want to look at Shabbat. Anyways, to me, I looked at it as Roman Yossi is a clear upgrade from Thomas Shabbat, and if the price to move is Braden Point, I would much rather hold him and move somebody else at center, right? Granted, again, I just acquired Austin Matthews, who is at center mid. I already have Mika Zibidejad on my team, okay? At this point, I have Braden Point, Matthew Barzell, Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. I got a ton. When I say I have a ton of centermen, I have a ton. You can only start three and there's no flex. So on any given night, I I have Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. So those two take up a spot. And then I got to decide between what? Austin Matthews, Braden Point, and Mika Zabitajad. One of those three? Well, no. Usually I try to pick between Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, which I'm still having to do, which I'm still not doing a good job of that. It's not an ideal situation, but again, I don't limit myself. That's a problem for another day to fix. Here's, we end up coming to the deal. He was going to drop William Carlson. I said, hey man, if, if you're just going to drop him, just right, send him my way and I'll take him. William Carlson, by the way, is a left winger. Uh, he has a center designation. I'm short now. I was already short a right winger. Trading Cole Caulfield away really, really made it tough for me, right? Really, really made it tough. Like, even to today, like, my right wingers at this point were Travis Konechny and Lucas Raymond. We start uh, three right wingers. I didn't have a third. I didn't have a third. The position was empty. Is it ideal? No. Did I limit myself? No. That's a problem for another day to deal with. If I, in the span of two days... I acquired Austin Matthews and Roman Yossi. I thought I did pretty well there. Pretty well. All that because A, I made it publicly known what I was that I was willing to move a player, right? I gauged interest for a player and I was able to identify a need for an owner and meet that need. These trades didn't take seven weeks to get through with a ton of back and forth. Because if you identify correctly what the other owner needs, you're going to get closer to that. You will. You're going to get close. It's 100%. You have to. Right? And I'm not lowballing him. Don't lowball trade offers, okay? This isn't buying a car. If you come in and you lowball me a player 
Again, I'm not going to answer. Don't expect you're going to steal players from other owners. Ex treat owners with the idea that they are smart, that they know what they're doing, and they're doing their research. Because most of them are. You're not going to steal a player. You're not going to do it. So don't try to. It's just, it's a bad start. Like, it, like I said, if you send me a trade offer and it's really bad and it's not even close, the other guy say, well, okay, well, like it's a starting ground. It's not a starting ground, bro. It's, it's not. We're too far off. We're too far. You're not taking it seriously. I don't care. It'll disappear by itself. If you correctly identified the need that I need, right, I'm short a right winger. So if somebody's going to make a deal with me today, maybe they'll try to acquire a centerman of mine and they'll say, hey, I see you need a right winger. I'll give you this for this. And I'll say, okay. Even if it's far, maybe I'll say, okay, well, wait, hold on. I have a need and you're willing to meet it. I'll at least listen. If somebody tomorrow comes up to me and says, hey, man, I'll trade you a, a mid-level centerman for a goalie or a defenseman or a left winger or a right winger, I'll be like, well, no. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have a need identified. Identify somebody else's need and then meet it. That's it. That's all you got to do, man. It's good communication. Be fair in your deal. Ask your, don't. Don't try to convince me why your deal is good, okay? This doesn't need to be a 15-page PowerPoint presentation as to why I should accept your trade. And don't do that. Don't tell the other owner why you should why he should accept it based on your perspective. Doesn't work. Never have I been convinced by somebody else explaining me explaining to me their point of view and why it's good for me. It's never worked. It's a waste of time, it's a waste of air. One day you'll be on your deathbed dying, you'll need an extra 5 minutes and you don't have it because 40 years ago, you were trying to explain why this trade was good for another owner. It's not. Don't worry about it, okay? Don't do that. Make fair trades right off the rip. Get as close as you can. I know what everybody's trying to do. They're trying to shortchange here, right? They're trying to save a dollar. They're trying not to give up too much. I'm going to be honest. The, the Caulfield for Matthews deal, if that owner countered and asked for a little bit more than just Caulfield, Depending on what they had asked for, I probably would have given it to them. Not going to lie. Probably would have. If he said, uh, he said, I'll give you Austin Matthews for Cole Caulfield. And if he tried to pawn another centerman off me, like Barzell or Point, I don't have Point anymore. But if he asked for Matthew Barzell in that deal, I probably would have given it to him and said, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I still, but he didn't. And again, that's fine. If everybody's happy with the deal, that's fine. You don't have to squeeze every ounce of value out of something, okay? You don't have to. This owner, the other one who asked for Braden Point, I could have tried to squeeze him a little more and say, well, you know what? I really don't want to do that. I'm just going to give you, like, I'll sticking point is Matthew Barzell, and that's it, or blah, or trying to make this complicated. You know what? I got to give up a little bit of value. If I like this trait enough to pull the trigger, then I'll do it. I could sit here and try to make your life really, really complicated or try to make my life really, really complicated. But is it worth the headache? No. Is this deal fair both ways? Yeah. It's 95% fair. I'll take it. It's good enough. The 5% I'll leave on the table. That's it. Be fair in your trades. Identify the needs, right? You got to have a group chat where you can get a hold of people, communicate with the league what you're looking for, Right? Or if you have a player on the block or somebody you're willing to move, right? 
And then, like, I'm telling you, the minute I, that trade for Austin Matthews went through, the whole league was like, oh, my God. Hey, now you know where where I stand and what it took. And like I said, would I have made that trade? No, but I have different values. I have different looks at it. I all, you know, maybe Cole Caulfield scores 55 goals this season. And at the end of the day, you say, okay, well, that trade was pretty fair. That's fine. It's harder. Like I said, Caulfield has dual position eligibility. I'm literally rocking right now Travis Konechny, Lucas Raymond, and Frank Vetrano. That's my right wing core. Not great, Bob. Not great. So Caulfield has some value. He doesn't throw hits. He doesn't block shots. Neither does Matthews. So at the end of the day, do not limit yourself by saying, hey, I could have limited myself. So you know what? I can't move a right winger uh, for a centerman because I have too many centermen. Or I can't. I can't get this or I can't do that. Don't don't tell me why you can't do something. Tell me why you can't. Right? I know some of you right now are laughing or rolling your eyes because that's like the phrase that I keep telling people. Right? Free therapy, by the way. You're welcome. Use that. Don't tell me why you can't do something. Tell me why you can. So I went out and I looked. And I said, why can't I make this deal? What do I need to get it done? Establish your limits. And again, we identified the key phrase. Anytime somebody reaches out to you and says, hey, would you trade this player? Absolutely. What did you have in mind? That's the only thing I want you to say. And they may throw it back to you. Say, well, what would you take for him? Throw it right back. Well, I'd much rather keep him unless you really gave me, a, unless you really, really, you know, sent something my way that would make me think about it. Like if you sent me an elite player, I didn't give him a name yet. I want him to establish what he feels is elite. Then he'll throw something out and say, okay, well, I'll give you this and that. Boom, now we, have a, now we have groundwork. Let's start. If you tell him what you want, right, you can do that. You can. You can over-exaggerate a little bit and say, hey, well, I'll take, you know, this guy, this guy. And, you know, they may be, oh, that's too much. Okay, well, what did you have in mind then? And then go back and forth a little bit. Trade shouldn't take six weeks unless you're too far off value. You say, hey, look, and sometimes that's the case. You say, look, man, we'll, we have to, we'll have to come back to this. I'm just not willing to meet your asking price. I'm not willing to sell low. I don't think we're a good trade candidate right now. Maybe we'll revisit this down the line. No harm, no foul done. All right. We're too far off. We're not going to beat each other's heads into a wall. We're not going to try to add five other players and make this a five for five trade and revamp our whole lineup, right? Ask, see what you can get, go around, make it publicly known, take advantage of value. I bought low on Roman Yossi. I don't know how it's going to work out. It's not too bad. He's he's all right, right? He's fine. He's got two goals, five assists. He's minus 11 on the season. It's a meaningless stat. I don't care about that. 54 shots. He's all right. He's all right. I'm still waiting. But I feel long-term, he's going to outperform. Thomas Shabbat. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Remember those keys. That's what I have to say to this. That is today's episode of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for hanging out. If you are not following the podcast on Twitter, make sure you do that at Slapshot Podcast. If you are not following me on Twitter, fix that at FuzzyChris91. Go ahead, do so. Um, if you go to at Slapshot Podcast on Twitter, it's got its own link tree. That's right. I put that together so you can find the episode everywhere 
everywhere you enjoy your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, the YouTube channel. Go over to the YouTube channel, right? If you go to youtube.com slash at slapshot pod, you can get to the page directly. Go ahead, hit the sub button, ring the bell. Okay. Make sure you do so. Uh, yeah. I had a great time hanging out with all. Eh, we got to about 45 minutes, but that's cool. Now you know how to make trades. If you make a trade in your league, just at me. Tell me how you did. You got anything useful out of this? Let me know as well. Tell me, you know, some of the great trades that you've made. It's long year, man. Fantasy hockey is a long year, but trades are important. It's important to get the terminology. It's important to make good trades. Make them fair. As always, I love you. We'll talk to each other again soon.